0: Hey everyone, it's Jenny. Before we get started, I want to remind our listeners that in a continued effort to lift up underrepresented voices and to continue to fight for social justice, Wonder Media Network is offering free ad space on our shows to organizations working towards that cause. If this applies to you or to someone you know, feel free to email me at Jenny at for more information. Thanks for listening and on to the show. Hello, I'm Grace Lynch, and I'm a producer at Wonder Media Network. Today, in honor of a full year of Encyclopedia Womanica, I'm honored to reintroduce you all to Fulan Devi. Working on Womanica means that I've listened and re-listened and listened yet again to many of the women we've featured, but Fulan Devi is unique in that her story was the only one that made me genuinely gasp out loud the first time I heard it. Dubbed the Bandit Queen, Fulan Devi's story is one of violence, revenge, social and gender inequality, triumph, and tragedy. It is certainly a story worth remembering. This episode initially aired in May during our Mavericks and Legends month, which was my favorite theme of the last year. And now I'm going to throw it back to Jenny Kaplan to give you the full story. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know that it contains mentions of sexual assault and violence. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan. Welcome back to Encyclopedia Womanica. Our woman of the day was a maverick and legend. She survived extreme poverty, child marriage, and abuse before reinventing herself as India's bandit queen. Famous for her acts of revenge, she eventually rose to a different kind of power, that of a politician. Let's talk about Fulan Devi. Fulan was born in 1963, the fourth and youngest child of Mula and Devi Din Mala. Only Fulan and her sister lived to adulthood. Members of the Mala or Boatman caste Fulan's family lived in a rural village in the northern Indian state of Uttar Pradesh. Even as a child, Fulan was known for her sharp tongue, her strong convictions, and her violent temper. She once staged a sit-in to protect an ancient tree scheduled to be cut down on her family's land. She fought off family elders, leveling her own physical and verbal attacks before being beaten unconscious with a brick. At the age of 11, Fulan was married off to Puti Lal Mala, a man three times her age. At his home, several hundred miles away from her own village, Fulan suffered beatings and sexual abuse. After several attempts at running away, she was returned to her own family in disgrace. But home didn't offer much of a respite for Fulan. After a cousin accused her of petty theft. Fulan was jailed and beaten for three days by local authorities. When she was released, Fulan's family begged her abusive husband to take her back. He did. She was just 16 years old. But after a few months, Fulan once again returned home. This time, her husband's family sent a message. Under no circumstances would they accept her back. Rather than face a lifetime of being marked a social pariah, or perhaps because she had nothing left to lose, Fulan ran away and joined one of the many bandit gangs that roamed her state. But this decision didn't bring Fulan the freedom she seemingly craved. Instead, she was repeatedly brutalized by the gang's leader, Babu. After three days, the gang's second-in-command, Vikram Mala, stepped in. He killed Babu, saved Fulan, and assumed leadership of the gang. Despite both being legally married, Fulan and Vikram soon struck up a romance. A few weeks later, the gang attacked Fulan's husband's village. Fulan dragged him out of his house and stabbed him. She left him lying in the road, bleeding out in front of his neighbors. She also left a note directed at older men. Don't marry young girls. Fulan and Vikram quickly gained notoriety in the region. Their gang became famous for their Robin Hood-like crimes, attacking and looting upper caste communities, kidnapping wealthy people for ransom, and targeting flashy cars and highway robberies. Eventually, Vikram and Fulan's relationship, along with caste differences, caused a rift within the gang. Vikram was killed in a gunfight. Fulan was kidnapped by the rival faction and taken to their village of Bemai, For two weeks, she was gang-raped by twenty-two men. Then she escaped. Fulan reconnected with the surviving members of the other faction, forming an all mala caste gang. A few months later, they descended on the village of Bemai. All twenty-two of Fulan's rapists were shot dead. What came to be known as the Bemai Massacre sparked outrage across India. Uttar Pradesh's chief minister resigned a massive but unsuccessful manhunt for Fulan was launched. The authorities tried to paint her as a dangerous criminal. Instead, Fulan became a folk hero. After a career dedicated to stealing from the rich, Fulan had gained the support and protection of the poor. The massacre was seen as an act of righteous rebellion against the caste system, against rape, against abuse of power. Fulan was the ultimate societal underdog a poor, lower-caste woman abandoned by her husband, brutalized by men. And yet, she had gotten her revenge. She was finally free. Fulan was crowned the bandit queen by the local press. They bestowed the honorific Devi to her name, which comes from the Sanskrit word for goddess. In 1983, after two years on the run, Fulan turned herself into the police. She was charged with 48 crimes—murder, arson, plundering, and kidnapping for ransom. For 11 years, Fulan sat in jail, awaiting trial. In 1994, the state withdrew all charges and released Fulan. A movie, Bandit Queen, was released, and was considered a loose portrayal of her life. After getting out of jail, Fulan began pursuing politics. She was twice elected to parliament as a member of the Samajwadi, a democratic socialist party. In 2001, Fulan was gunned down in front of her home in New Delhi by former bandit rivals. She was just 37 years old. The main gunman, Sher Singh Rana, was convicted in 2014. The other 10 accused walked free. All May, we're talking about mavericks and legends. We're highlighting women who went against prescribed gender norms to make a name for themselves, for better or for worse. Some of these women did incredible things for society and should be celebrated. Others had a big impact that wasn't so rosy. The collection of women we're featuring this month is complex and nuanced, much like all women are. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Encyclopedia Womanica. And you can follow me directly on Twitter, at Jenny M. Kaplan. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow. Today, I want to tell you about an organization I encourage you all to support, called Honey Lodge. Honey Lodge is a Lakota youth-led social enterprise that serves Rosebud Indian Reservation, located in south-central South Dakota. Since 2015, they've been supporting youth as they learn entrepreneurial skills, self-sufficiency, environmental, and traditional life skills. Honey Lodge's social enterprise has been impacted, like all small businesses, by the latest health crisis. Help support Lakota youth as they rise into community leaders. Visit lakotahoneylodge.org to support their work and purchase their products. That's lakotahoneylodge.org.